Amen. And if you were to remain standing and grab your Bibles and make your way to the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, Proverbs is where we find ourselves. And as you make your way there, uh, just for your notes to bookmark, we're going to really be all over the book of Proverbs, mostly anchored in Proverbs 18.21. But for uh, note's sake, we're going to be in Proverbs 10.19. 12, 18, 15, 1, 15, 14, 16, 28, 18, 21, like I just mentioned, and Proverbs 25, 11. I'm just going to read through these, and we're standing because we believe this is the word of God, and we want to honor his word. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. And a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. This is God's word. Let's pray. God, may the words on our lips and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to you this morning. Father God, as your scriptures are opened, and as your word goes out, may we be quick to listen, slow to speak, and humble enough by your grace to receive what you would speak to us this morning. We ask that by the power of your spirit, you would shape us and mold us into the image of Jesus so that we would leave this place more like you, more in awe of you, and more in love with you. For you have loved us first. And for that, we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 You can be seated. Well, aloha, shorebreak ohana. It's so good to be with you. How's it? You guys doing okay this morning? It's, uh, it's such a privilege and honor, as always, to be with you and every Sunday just studying the Word of God. If you're new or you're visiting for the first time, just want to uh, welcome you. We just want to say we're also humbled that you would take your Sunday morning to be worshiping Jesus with us. If you don't have a church that you call home, and if you are not plugged into a body of Christ, we would pray and ask that you would consider putting your roots down in this church family, that you would be known, and that you would know others, and that you would do life, and that you would grow in the gospel, and grow in community with one another, for that is what God has for his children. Whenever we're saved by the grace of Jesus, we're never just saved from hell, but we're saved to a relationship with Christ, and part of being saved to a relationship with Jesus is that we are saved to his people, that we are saved to belong to the church, and so... We just want to say welcome. We're glad that you're here. And 
we've taken this season of our life as a church and we've devoted ourselves to examining and studying wisdom found in the book of Proverbs. And when we say and use that word wisdom, what we're saying is uh, knowledge that is applied. Because wisdom isn't mere understanding. Many people have lots of knowledge, lots of understanding. But are they wise? Wisdom is applying what we rightly know in the proper way. In fact, it takes wisdom to live out wisdom. And that's the case for Proverbs. That we have truth. And we need to live out that truth in God-glorifying ways that result in human flourishing. But wisdom isn't something that's an achievement. Wisdom is not a milestone. It's a journey. It's a process. Wisdom takes time. It cannot be rushed. Tim Keller says, Wisdom is not a door to be opened. It's a path to be traveled on. So every time we open this book, the book of Proverbs, we are not unlocking new doors, but what we're doing is we're traveling further up, we're moving further in to understand godly wisdom that results in our thriving. And this is especially true when it comes to what we say. Today and this morning, we're moving towards wisdom for the tongue. Wisdom for our words, the tongue. It's interesting because theologian Alan Ross estimates that there are roughly 90 or maybe even more than 90 proverbs specifically related to the tongue, to the words we say. Which is more than many other themes in the book of Proverbs. It's actually more than verses on parenting. It's more than marriage. It's more than money. It's more than work. Which by the way, is in and of itself wise because James chapter 3, the New Testament book of wisdom in verse 4 says, look at the ships also. They are so large and are driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs. So the tongue is a small member yet it boasts great things. We need wisdom for the tongue because as small as it is, it determines so much of our life. And before there are life-giving friendships, before there are acts of justice, before there are beautiful marriages, obedient children, thriving businesses, uh, healthy cultures, loving families, there needs to be the embracing of, the understanding of, and the belief of what Solomon declares in wisdom. Look at verse uh, 21 of chapter 18 in Proverbs. It says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. What you say when you talk story, what you post or shouldn't post online, what you text to other people has the power to either give life or the power to take life. 
And something this powerful, something so small, but directs and guides so much of our life needs to be tamed by godly wisdom, needs to be under the submission of the scriptures and under the sway of the Holy Spirit. We said wisdom is knowledge applied. But wisdom isn't just knowledge applied. Wisdom is seeing our life from God's point of view. And what is God's point of view for our words? God wants to disclose, to share, and to show with you and me by his word that your words, that my words, bear enough power in them that they can either give life or those words can give death. So my desire for us as a church is that we would be a people seasoned with words of life that bring about human flourishing all for the glory of God. And so in our pursuit for wisdom for the tongue, I just want us to consider for most of our time, consider and compare words of death and words of life. And we're anchored in Proverbs 18.21, but we're going to branch out to many other verses. And when comparing life and death of the tongue, you can make your way if you want to Proverbs 12.18. It says, this in Proverbs twelve eighteen. It's important that you turn to the scriptures. Um, I gi- I'll give you some of these references, but we should always be checking what anyone is saying when someone is sharing from the Word of God. You would be like Bereans testing with that which is true, that which is spoken up against God's Word. Proverbs twelve eighteen says, "There is one who is." Rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So this is pretty common throughout this wisdom literature to have these different word pictures that are given. And here is another word picture. Wisdom calls and says words, rash words are like a sword. In other words, they're never just words. Have you ever said that thing to your spouse, to your friends? It's, oh, I was just talking, just forget what I said, right? They're just words. No, they're actually not just words. Those words are similar to that of a sword. And for those of us who've been rash with words, we can say things impulsively. We say things rashly. We throw our words around as though they have no meaning. Oftentimes it hurts others whether we mean to or not sometimes we do sometimes we just throw out that rash word in front of other people to tear people down but wisdom proverbs would have you and i to know that the one who is careless with words because they're careless with with words it's similar to that of a sword and swords are meant for what inflicting wounds what, what else is another purpose and use for a sword other than to cause damage or harm? Swords do that. They, they can leave scars on others if not completely destroy someone. And once a word leaves your tongue, once that rash word leaves your tongue, you can't take it back, can you? Have you ever done that before? You've said something. You're like, I just let that out there. And that's a rash word. It's a word that's gone out and it begins to cut. It begins to slice and it begins to fillet those we love or those we hate or those we maybe don't even really know or care about. Reckless words are sort of like toothpaste. 
Once when they're squeezed out of the bottle, you can't put them back in. You just can't. You, there's nothing you can do. Once when they're out there, they do their damage. They're gone. It's, there's nothing you can do to take it back. Once you've wielded that sword and you've swung, it will never be as if you've never said it. Sometimes we wish we could sometimes forget the hurtful things we've said to others or the hurtful things we've received, but it's very hard, if not nearly impossible. Wisdom says those rash words are like sword thrusts. And sometimes we say, yeah, but I pulled out the sword. I'm sorry, I pulled out the sword. Right, pull out the sword. Maybe the sword is no longer in there, but the wound will be there. The wound remains. These could be wounds from promises not kept. Hey, I promise you I'm going to do this. And you put your hope in that promise. You trusted in those words, but those words were rash. And once when that promise was, once when that promise was never delivered, it was not kept. It wounded you. It hurt you. It could be those subtle, hurtful jabs. Or it could be those not-so-subtle, hurtful jabs. You know, like for the couple that like fights in front of everyone else, which is always fun and awkward for everyone else around? They just decide to tear one another down in front of other people? Yeah, those wounds can hurt. It could be the wounds from broken vows. Mean, reckless words that leave scars and harm others. You know that phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Never believed by a wise person. It's not true. Words hurt. They cut. They wound. And God would have us to know that we shouldn't throw our words around carelessly because words that we say and the words that we use, every single one of them, carries consequences with them. You can go just a couple of chapters earlier in Proverbs ten nineteen. Proverbs 10.19 says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. So wise people should know that with many words, sin is not lacking. Now, I'm telling you this somewhat with a depressed voice because I speak for a living, and this is somewhat discouraging, right? And with many words, Proverbs says, transgression is not lacking. See, wisdom is not just knowing not to use words that are rash like a sword that tear down. But wisdom takes us beyond what we say to what we don't say. Wisdom cares when we shut our mouth. When we should not speak. When in doubt, don't say it, right? When in doubt, don't open the mouth. And I'm preaching, by the way, to myself because those who are near to me and those who love me know that I would be a hypocrite if I did not say I am a fool when it comes to this truth. I am. I need to grow in this. Thank you, Lonnie, for that. That's awesome. <laughs> love you, man. It's true, though. The more my mouth runs the more sinful tendencies that will come with the words that I say, the more likely sin 
is to make an appearance, which for those of us who struggle with this, who have the mouth that murmurs and seems to never shut up, hear James 1.19. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. And it's interesting. And then he says, slow to anger. Slow to anger. Wisdom says you should know, you should have understanding when you should restrain your tongue. And just in a real practical note here when it comes to restraining our tone, like it, tongue, if it comes to, like if you're in an argument, you're exchanging words in an argument, it could be with anyone. If you're really, really ticked off and upset, like really angry, maybe like restrain the tongue, right? I mean, there have been times in my life where I've had to walk away and leave a situation to uh, refrain from speaking because if I was to continue in my anger to move my mouth, far more hurtful things would come out of my mouth. And if you're, if you're married and it's like one in the morning and you're just arguing, go to sleep. Seriously, go to sleep. Get some rest. You're exhausted. And try not to let the sun go down in your anger, yes. But also don't continue on fighting. Learn to restrain. Know when should you say something and when you shouldn't say something and when it could be hung up for another time. Or how about when you're hangry, right? My kids say the most awesome things when they're hangry, when they're hungry and angry, right? Because whenever you're hungry, you're angry. Restrain the tongue. Because words, reckless words of the tongue can scar. But words, they don't just scar, they can also bring death. Now, I know that sounds extreme, like really, they can bring death. But Proverbs 18.21, you can go back there, it says this, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, it's interesting because in that verse, the word life, in the Hebrew, it's not just simple, flat meaning, general term for speaking of life like we have in our English language. When we throw around words, our, our language is very flat. It's not very dynamic, the English language. But in the Hebrew, the word life has a multi-use meaning. The word life can mean communal life. The word life can be also used as speaking of aliveness, alive, being alive or fresh. That is speaking of similar to like that a plant that is being cultivated and cared for and that is thriving. And of course, life also has the meaning of the overall well-being of that person's livelihood, life itself. Understanding that then, the tongue is so powerful that it can take away all three. Your tongue is so powerful that it can take away communal life, community. It can take away your flourishing and others flourishing and thriving. And it could even take away life itself. Okay, how so? How does the tongue to have that much power to take away all three? Well, for communal life, Proverbs 16.28 for communal life, for the relationship life. Proverbs 16, 28 says this, A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. 
whether you realize it or not, your greatest need is that you would be in relationship with others. That you would be in communion, that you would be sharing words and exchanging life-giving words with one another. It's what we were made for. And the tongue can bring death to the life of a community. See, we worship a God who is one God who eternally exists in three persons, God the Father, the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who communicate and who are in perfect relationship. They exchange and they share words with one another, and we were made in this image. And so when Proverbs 16.28 says, a dishonest man spreads strife, that's because he is not imaging the God who created him. There are no lies within the Godhead. There is no strife within the Trinity. Like, do you see the Holy Spirit saying, I'm not getting enough glory, give me more glory. No, he's saying, glorify the Son, glorify the Son, I exist to glorify to make much of Jesus. What is Jesus doing? Is he starving for attention? Is he striving? Is he lying? No, he is existing and living to glorify his Father. And so the Father glorifies the Son, the Son glorifies the Father, the Spirit glorifies them. And there's this dance within the tree where they are glorying and living and sharing words with one another in perfect community oh but a dishonest man spreads strife because he himself is marring the image in which he was created authentic community cannot be cultivated by dishonest people who gossip and spread lies you know this whether you've gossiped and you've been a contributor to that or you've been on the receiving end of that because a lie the lie of the tongue is a distortion of what is true. And if we distort what is true, are we not distorting reality? It's interesting, in Proverbs 6, remember last week how we talked about that fun verse in Proverbs 6, there's six things that the Lord hates, seven that are abomination to him. The first was what? Haughty eyes. What's the second? A lying tongue. God hates Tongues that slander, that gossip, that lie. And those who share half-truths or lies, they kill the life of a community with their tongue. There are church communities, there are families, there are friendships that have been destroyed by a dishonest man who spreads strife. Or, as the later half of that verse says, a whisperer, which is just a gossip, who separates close friends. Why is that true, though? You cannot be your true, your full, your open self around someone who is a gossip because you know everything you're saying and you're sharing and disclosing to them is not going to stay in that conversation. And do you feel safe? Of course not. Your words are not safe. You are not safe. And that hinders life-giving relationships. Do you guys see that words are so powerful? They shape those who speak them and those who hear them. Notice it can separate a close friend. A close friend. That's how powerful words are. And so the tongue takes life. The tongue can also give life, though, when it comes to community. This is true also for our thriving 
That is to say, our aliveness, if that's even a word. Our freshness, our, our being alive. Proverbs 15.4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A gentle tongue. In fact, I, I like some other translations. They actually say healing. The King James Version says wholesome. Wholesome, a, a, a healing, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness breaks the spirit. Words have the power to influence someone's thriving, someone's freshness, their identity, similar to that of the aliveness of a plant. While the loose tongue inflicts pain, wounds, and scars, the gentle tongue here is a tree of life. And just think about, for a moment, words that give life. Words that are like that of a tree of life. Think about, you've got the job. Remember when you heard that? You, you got the, you're hired. So words of life. How about, I love you? Or, I do. Or when you hear the nurse say, it's a boy. It's a girl. These are words that change our life. Life-giving words have power. Those words bring about our human flourishing. On a positive note, these words of Proverbs uh, 25.11 says, A word that is fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. Your words can be so true, so timely, so fitting for the occasion that they are hearable, that they are lovely, and that they give life to those who listen. I mean, tell a child, for example, that they're made in the image of God, and that the God who created them loves them, and parents remind those children that they are loved by you no matter what they do, and you will see a child thrive, and you will see a child flourish. Because a gentle, careful tongue of healing is like the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. But Proverbs 15.4 says, Perverseness breaks the spirit. The breaking of the aliveness, the flourishing of that person's life. Tell a child they're stupid. Tell a child they're unwanted. And you will see a child who is physically living but dying a thousand deaths inwardly. Reckless words are like a sword that can pierce the most inner part of the most intimate areas of our lives. It breaks the spirit. And perverseness or carelessness, or viciousness with words, just as it can easily build someone up, it can tear someone down. Now, a lot of you, it's Hawaii, a lot of you are artists or musicians. Um, let's just pick musicians for this example. Let's, you, you, let's say you're a musician, right? And you, you play at a bunch of luau's, you do parties, you do events, you create your own music, and you've devoted a good part of your life to becoming an amazing musician or singer-songwriter. And imagine that every time you played, you did a show, you did a wedding, you were at that luau, every person you ever met came up to you and said, you're terrible at what you do. You're horrible. You should find another job. Every single person. Would you keep playing music? 
No, unless you're delusional. No, you would not. You would stop playing music. Why? We were created to have words that were outside of us speak into us to affirm what we're doing. We need words of life. Otherwise, you'd never play music again, right? See, what is spoken to you can just be as life-giving or taking as what is done to you. But the tongue here, as it, as it relates to community, can give life or take life. As it relates to our identity, our thriving, our life, and as it can take or give life. But it can also take life itself. And that is just explicitly promised in, in Proverbs 18.21, death is in the power of the tongue. Death is in the power of the tongue. That's true. Death through the tongue have pushed people into despair that has resulted in them committing suicide. The tongue has started world wars. The tongue. That little rudder of a ship has resulted in millions being killed in genocide. In fact, the words of the religious cried out to Pontius Pilate when Pontius Pilate on Good Friday asked them, all right, here is Jesus. What do you want me to do with him? What did they shout out? What did they say with their tongue? Crucify him. And that is exactly what they did to Jesus. Death is in the power of the tongue. Do you believe this to be true? And if so, is your tongue giving life or is it taking life? Bosses, moms, dads, leaders, friends, influencers, do you realize that the power, do you realize the power of your words that sit at the tip of your tongue waiting to be fired that can either be a sword or be a tree of life? Some of you, God the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart that you have words of life to speak to someone that you have yet to say because you're holding them in pride. Some of you need to speak a true word that is difficult to hear because faithful are the wounds of a friend. And you need to speak words that are true but that confront with courage and with love. You see, you guys, the, the, I mean, I, I've watched my words go out and I've seen friends and my wife and my kids either be built up or be crushed with a moment, with the breath of a word that comes out of my mouth. And you've seen it to be true as well. Remember, wisdom says your tongue is like the rudder of a ship. It's guiding the entire path of your life. Now, 
before we wrap this up, if you think, all right, all I got to do is just try a little bit harder. I need to speak words of life. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to speak words of life. You're going to fail in about three hours, probably. You're going to walk out at some point. You're going to get stuck on a lead drive, and this car is going to make a stupid turn, and you're going to say a word of death to that person. Just go, you're going to. It's going to happen, especially with traffic the last recent months. It's been insane. Willpower isn't enough. Your willpower is not enough. When Jesus was being tempted by Satan to believe another word, a believe another tongue, when he was fasting for 40 days out in the wilderness, nearly dying, and Satan tempts him, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You need more than bread. You need more than your own willpower and your strength to speak words of life. We need the word of the living God to speak to us, to breathe life into us, for his love to change us, for us to truly enter into what it means to flourish as a child of God. For your tongue, for your words. Do not turn to your own strength. Turn to Jesus. Look to Jesus who is the word become flesh. And not only is Jesus the word become flesh, but he himself has the words of eternal life. The life you need, the flourishing that you desire, the very thing your tongue needs is to be spoken to by a word that is outside of you, a word that is greater than you, that would come within you and that would change us from the inside out. Our loose tongues need to be captivated by the gospel of Jesus because out of the abundance of the heart, the what? The mouth speaks. If we try to change this without having God change this, we're spinning our wheels and it's meaningless. We need the gospel to transform, to change our thinking and to leave our mind and to go into our hearts and to give us desires that we do not have. And so if your tendency, here's the gospel playing out with our tongue, if your tendency to speak words of death, see Christ on the cross who died for you to give you life. And when you're tempted to throw off that word, see your Savior on a tree bleeding himself to give you life through his death. Or if you turn to others' words for life, may the word of God be a more sure reality than the opinion of man. If you do not know how to speak words of life to others, God's spirit takes residence in his children and he enables you to do what you could never do. In fact, he gives you desires that you would never, never otherwise have. Some of you are like, I don't care about giving words of life. Awesome. Talk to God about that. Bring that before him. Tell him, God, I need you to give me desires and to renew my heart in areas where I don't even have desires. If you have a broken spirit because of the perverseness of a tongue, Jesus experienced the ultimate brokenness so you would be accepted and loved by God. Since you have told lies and you have been lied to, Jesus is your truth. 
He never lies. If you've been deeply scarred by the rash words of others, no one has ever been scarred or hurt by whispering words like Jesus. Let his resurrection and life give you life. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Because you were made to have words outside of you speak into you to give you life. And if you are a child of God this morning, His Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are in fact a child of God. You were loved by Him. You've been adopted into His family. He's given you His grace and He loves you. But if you were not a Christian, you have not declared that Jesus is Lord. You have not believed in his heart. And because of that, you're actually a liar. And left, let, leave that sin go unconfessed. God will punish that. Believe the true word. Believe Jesus has come for you. And for every word that we have used that has not brought life, we, de- we may deal with the consequences on this side of glory. But Jesus can forgive all of your sins. Including the words that you have used that have torn down and taken life from others. Father God, we thank you. That you are a gracious God. That it is your kindness that leads us to repentance. For if you hate a lying tongue... Oh Lord, you delight in the tongue that declares you are God, your word is true, and we believe on you. May your word change us, and may our words change others. May you give us desires that we do not have if we do not have the desire to speak words of life. May you forgive us of our sins when we have not spoken truly. Times we have hurt others and wounded them on purpose. And Father God, if you've shown anyone in here this morning where they need to pursue and speak words of life to someone, may your gospel and your grace empower them to do that very thing. We believe God, death and life are in the power of the tongue. May we eat of the fruit of the tongue that gives life. And if you do not know Jesus this morning, confess with your tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord if you've had your eyes open to the beauty of the gospel and believe on your heart receive what God would speak to you. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. May your gospel resurrect our dead words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.